Hey guys, just wanted to give you a quick heads up before we head into this week's episode with Adam Gibson. Uh, we recorded this episode out the front of uh, Cafe Newtown, just on the corner of Enmore and King. And, uh, you know, it was pretty uh, pretty quiet when we started, but uh, as the, the day progressed, uh, more people started going past. There were chairs being dragged around and, you know, even a few like motorbikes and trucks and stuff like that went past. Uh, I've uh, edited around it as best as I can, but uh, just note that uh, there, this one might be a little bit noisier than our usual run of podcasts. It's uh, it's not ideal, but uh, you know, like uh, it's a it's an environment that uh, you know suited the the conversation best. So uh, I, I dealt with it the best that I could, and uh, yeah, I, I think it turned out all right, all things considered. But I was just giving you a heads up about the audio quality on this one. Uh, regardless, I really really hope you enjoy this one. I, I'm I'm really stoked with how this one's turned out and uh the new adam gibson album with the arc birds is called cities of spin effects and it's out now i strongly strongly recommend you checking it out uh but yeah let's get into this week's episode of all my friends are in bar bands with adam gibson cheers guys folks, David James Young with you for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Thanks so much for tuning in and checking this out. I hope you're doing well wherever you are, wherever you may be listening to this. It is all so, so very appreciated. So uh, thanks for tuning in and checking this out. Uh, my name is David James Young, All My Friends Are In Bar Bands, and this week I want to introduce you to Adam Gibson. Uh, now, some of you might not know Adam. Uh, Adam has been around the traps for a while in the in the Sydney music scene, but uh, he's not really your typical indie rock kind of dude. He's uh, he's an artist. He's a poet. He's a writer, uh, and he primarily trades in the realm of spoken word. Uh, you might know uh, some of his previous bands, including Modern Giant and uh, the Aerial Maps. But uh, more recently, he has focused his attention on the collective Adam Gibson and the Ark Ark Birds. They have just released their second studio album. It's entitled Cities of Spin Effects, and uh, Adam's released that independently through his Bandcamp. And uh, you can check it out there, and you can check out all of his previous recordings through there as well. I first discovered Adam's music through Modern Giant, uh, through a song called The Band's Breaking Up, uh, and or The Band's Broken Up, I should say. And that was about 2004. It was from an album called Satellite Nights, an album that I didn't discover until much later on when I was trying to remember this song that I had remembered had been played on Triple J and Home and Host, etc. a fair few times. So I went investigating and I found Modern Giant and I discovered Satellite Nights and it's become one of my favorite uh, and uh, probably one of my most underrated, in my opinion, albums to come out in the 2000s. It's a really, really beautiful guitar pop record with some really, really beautiful, quaint moments of uh, Adam's spoken word mixed in with the with the usual pop affair. So uh, it's really cool. It's definitely worth checking out. Uh, if you have the chance, it's on Spotify and uh, yeah, fair few 
bits of Adam's stuff is up there as well. So we'd never actually met, but a friend of the show, Nathan Wood, uh, was helping out with a bit of publicity for the Cities of Spinifex album and wanted to know if I wanted to talk to Adam. And uh, I'm really glad I did. Like, uh, Adam is one of the kind of guys that uh, you are immediately drawn to his charisma and his storytelling and just the way that he carries himself. Like, uh, I felt like we'd been friends for ages. Like, we'd, we were just catching up, you know, like him telling all these stories and, you know, sharing bits and pieces from around the traps. I said, really, really affable, friendly, kind person. And I'm really glad we got to do this episode. So, um, yeah, like I said, uh, usually (laughs) there'll be, there'll be episodes where you'll tune in and you'll have a pretty clear idea of who the person is. Uh, and sometimes, you know, like I, I get to talk to, to lesser known artists and share a bit of a spotlight shed a bit of a spotlight on them, and uh, I'm really glad that I get to do that this week with Adam Gibson. I think he is a phenomenal talent, and I really, really hope you enjoy his stuff. The album, again, is Cities of Spin Effects. If you Google search Adam Gibson, uh, it'll come up, uh, as well as Adam Gibson and the Ark Ark Birds. You can check out their two albums, uh, check out Modern Giant, check out the Aerial Maps. You can't go wrong, you honestly can't. Like, uh, it's a it's a pretty solid gold mine in the uh, the collected works of one Adam Gibson. So uh, I want to thank Nathan for helping to put that together, and I want to thank Adam for his time. So, so, so very appreciated. Before we get into this week's episode, just want to remind you uh, that uh, there are a few ways that you can support this podcast if you are at all inclined, if you like what you're hearing, if you want to help out at all uh, through what we're doing. Uh, Here, there's a couple of uh, non-monetary ways, uh, including leaving a review on iTunes, five stars would be awesome, Uh, rate, review, and subscribe, etc. It it really helps to get us out to the right uh, group of people and people that might be interested in this sort of stuff. So, yeah, uh, that sort of stuff is really, really appreciated. Uh, You can also spread the word on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash A-M-F-A-I-B-B-P-O-D. All my friends are in Bar Band's podcast. Just shorten it. You'll get there. <laughs> and uh, we are also at uh, Bar Band's Pod on Twitter. At B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D. If you do have a little bit of money and you uh, want to help out in any way, that's a thing you can do. Uh, so uh, if you are interested in a monthly uh, tip off for the podcast, uh, as little as $1 a month, you can help keep supporting this podcast and help keep it up online and uh, yeah, help with all the bills that come with uh, running a podcast online. So uh, all of that is super, super appreciated. So uh you can check that out uh, at patreon.com slash barbands. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S. Uh, but uh, if you just want to give like a one-off donation, that's a that's a thing that you can do now. I have a paypal.me where you can forward a one-off donation and uh, that will help to, uh, yeah, fund the podcast in uh, the, the various, various means that it takes. To, to keep this podcast up and going like uh I know it's it's free entertainment for you but you know it does cost me to keep the keep this stuff up and running and uh you know the the various costs that come with uh, making this podcast possible I'd be doing it regardless but uh any um, monetary support that comes in my way is so 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 appreciated 
Um, so if you can't commit to doing a monthly thing, that's completely fine. Um, but if you do want to give a one-off donation, you can do that by heading over to PayPal, P-A-Y-P-A-L dot me, M-E slash D-J-Y rights. D-J-Y-W-R-I-T-E-S. Uh, make sure that you note uh, bar bands uh, in uh, the notes uh, as you send over your donation so I know where to send the money. Uh, but yeah, thanks again so much for tuning in, checking this out. I will be back very, very soon with plenty more stories and plenty more of my friends in bar bands. But right now, let's pull up a chair and let's chat with Adam Gibson. <laughs> Well, if the Indian Pacific is delayed again, then meet me at the country platforms. The great horizontal scaffold, this is a train track nation. The sky, the skin, cracked land. Bears a close relation. I've seen the hills hoist backyards, the railway parade. Hi everyone, I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend Adam Gibson. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm very, very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm sorry, just about to sip a coffee, but otherwise good. I'm mate, really good. <laughs> go right ahead. I'll set the scene. We're here at a cafe in Newtown. Now we're in the, the heart of Newtown, and uh, we are. 20, within 24 hours of the new Adam Gibson album being out in the universe, I can imagine that's kind of a weird feeling after sitting on something for a while and, you know, kind of going through that process of writing and recording and building up bit by bit, especially because you have such a wide collective of musicians that you work with and stuff like that. It must be good to finally just have it out there and just like, all right, we've done all we can, you know? Yeah, well, it is a sense of you come to know it so well and you sort of feel like, by sort of osmosis, you feel like everyone you know knows it as well, but then you sort of realise that I haven't actually heard it and it's not out and no one's actually heard it so in my mind and it's a sense of almost relief, it's a sense Mm. of kind of like you know, okay, move on now, you know. Yeah, sure. But then, then it's also, because brand new for everyone else, so you've got to, yeah. <laughs> you've got to have a new mindset on it too. So yeah, it's, of it's exciting, it's good. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Uh, so this is the first time that we've met, uh, but we have a, a few uh, mutual friends, including yeah. a couple of people that you play with, uh, the wonderful uh, Tim and JD. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how, did you, um, how did you meet those two for the first time? Tim's sort of pretty much an integral part of what I've done for a few years actually yeah 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 my brother was playing drums with Lazy Susan oh sure yeah so bro- my brother's in the Arcark Birds as well and, mm-hmm. and many well, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or up to 10 years ago um, Simon, Simon my brother was with those guys and I think Tim was playing with them and we had a muck around cover band that we we uh we have, you know, still on the side, an, yeah, yeah. an ongoing concern, but, uh, you know, just to play parties and weddings parties and anything, literally. Indeed. Including a couple of their songs. Um, <laughs> but, um, so Tim just got involved like that, and then um, also, I'd sort of known JD vaguely as well through the old, one of the old internet music forums back in the day. I oh, think it sure. was MonoNet or whatever one of those oh, ones. Oh, yes, you know? of course, of course. And then Tim and JD got together, and, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> well, it keeps getting smaller and smaller, right? That's it, yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Tim's actually co-produced a new album and he's got a really great musical brain and let him sort of run free on a few things and, and it's really, the outcome is really um, slightly different to maybe what I, my own um, vision and my own um, aesthetic is. It's mm. mine's a bit, I'm very much 
punk rock, get it done, just that's yeah, it. Yeah, first, yeah, totally. First take, best take, you know. Yeah. And, and Tim's always trying to rein that in, in, in his regard, and that's good because it's a different approach, mm. and it makes me kind of change my delivery and ideas in a little way, yeah, but yeah, also yeah. in a good way, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I begin these by uh, tracing back the initial interest in, in music, specifically where it went from something that maybe you were listening to on the radio or, or maybe it was on TV or something like that to being something that you wanted to do personally, where you saw something or heard something and it made you want to kind of follow in that kind of uh, path, really. So, yeah, yeah. T- talk about how... Um, music kind of factored into your, into your childhood or into your upbringing? Well, yeah, my, my father was a musician. My father was a big band leader. Okay. Back in the, back in the big band era. Like a conductor. Yeah. Yeah, right, the, right, right. Literally, in the, I mean, it'll sound weird, but it was basically in the 40s and 50s. It was mm, quite mm. big. He was quite old when he had me. He'd, he'd, be, he'd be over 100 now if he was alive. Yeah, right. So he'd live this whole other life of being a musician um, before we, my brother and I were born. And then we were born and we were brought up in this world of being surrounded by going to shows and touring around and um, going to the big band era, you know, going to the big band shows and stuff like that. Yeah. So we always had that as a, as a, as a grounding, but then we grew up and obviously grew up, in, grew up in Bondi where it was all the clash and Midnight Oil and so we kind of, that all kind of coalesced into my brother formed a band with a few, a few of the local boys and my brother's a drummer. I wasn't really playing anything at the time, but I was always writing lyrics. Mm. So I ended up writing quite a lot of lyrics for those bands, just a local Bondo band that you know, never played past Anzac Parade. Or, You're a ghostwriter. Yeah, I was. Yeah, well, I was writing. I was writing the words, you know, and, the, and my my idea and my impetus and the inspiration to write words pretty much came from the early Midnight Oil albums where they were. Mm. Because what was important to me about those were that they were actually talking about Australia, yeah. talking about the landscape and the long coast road and mm. smell of frangipani and ocean sky blue yeah, and yeah, of Chico Rolls. And it, it struck me because previously I'd been sort of growing up listening to maybe a lot of our dad stuff where it's a lot of, it was a lot of, it was an internationalist kind of thing, which is nothing wrong with that. But it was yeah. finally when I listened to Midnight Oil Plates Without a Postcard or Head Injuries, I could see that they were talking about something that I knew about so yeah. a surf desire to go up the coast and mm. Lismore and so that's what kind of got me on that path yeah, to, to want to try and do music Yeah, but I was always writing lyrics and then it came to I started playing more and more you know guitar and bass and stuff and yeah, it yeah, became, yeah. became a thing where we were, it just transpired that I was playing kind of punk kind of yeah. bands and punk songs and stuff but always writing those sort of lyrics and then eventually two sort of came together and I actually started my own kind of um, thing with the bands. You know? Right, yeah. So you, you were away from the big band stuff, you were going to like local punk shows and stuff oh, yeah, like yeah. that. Like the, well, that would have been like the small like, community halls and stuff like that. Yeah, well that was that was around here, you know, it was a, a sort of late 80s, early 90s, it was uh-huh. all up and down King Street. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bands like the Happy Happy Knots and the Plunderers and Silver uh-huh. Rifles and all, all the Sando bands. Um, yeah, of course. My brother was always playing in those bands. He played in a ba- band which was quite a well-known band of the era called Disney Fist. They played the Big Day Out. And yeah, stuff wow. Like that. Yeah. But that was kind of the stuff we were into. This is all pre-Nirvana, so pre-sort of mm. the underground going overground. You know, so it was a really, really great scene. I saw Fugazi in the Newtown Community Centre. No and, kidding. Yeah, and the, wow. The, you know, 
all sorts of those those yeah. bands in those days, you know. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. Pre, pre Nirvana, so it was it felt like a little scene, you know. And, yeah. And then it, I've always remember a band like Hummingbirds and Falling Joys, and yeah. And I always remember when those first saw like the Hummingbird song "Blush" mm. was played on video hits, and um, we we were stunned because it was yeah. the first of our bands to go to that level. Yeah, they've made it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then of course you you and my followed up when yeah. when Sound as Ever and that came out. It was it was pretty massive, you know, because mm. it was suddenly like these are it's possible, you know, to to, to do stuff and actually get recognised. Or get somewhere, but not that we even cared about that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, where do you play for the first time? Like, uh, were you playing with your brother in any of these sort of bands, or did it take a while for you to kind of find your own thing? Like, yeah. uh, where did you? When did you play live for the first oh, time? Oh, that's well. We had a Bondi band, a band in Bondi called. It was very much Clash inspired, very much sure, yeah. inspired. It was called Rain Dance Orange. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's uh probably be good in Byron or something these days <laughs> but I played I actually played saxophone in that band no kidding yeah, yeah. right because I learned saxophone as a kid from yeah. from my dad's sort of influence so um, but the saxophone was, wasn't an instrument in the early 90s that was very popular <laughs> it, wasn't, it didn't get much of a run no. but, um, but that was kind of kind of pre that and we were, so I was playing alto saxophone in a band which was kind of still playing punk rock songs mm. so it was um it was it, it was an unusual combination, but that, that's what kind of gave me my first gigging stuff. But then I sort of got more into doing spoken word shows, like yeah, spoken right. word um, poetry stuff, and doing yeah. all yeah, all the pubs and venues and stuff, and opening for bands, which which were you know I'd do a little set at, and and then subsequently I was I started playing bass in one of my brother's other bands called Half Miler okay. and that transformed into what became Modern Giant yeah. so we were I was playing all these pop songs but then during breaks in rehearsal we, we, I would just start doing this spoken word stuff and just say to Ginny or Andy or my brother to just play just play something play that 6-8 thing whatever Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I do the, the spoken word and that became part of that band so we had a pop side and we had a spoken word side to that band so yeah. that's when it developed into that form and then at one point I was went overseas and I was going back to Australia, flying across Central Australia, and I looked mm. down and just had this idea of an aerial mapping kind of view of a country, and I wanted yeah. to just had this struck me as something that I wanted to do was, and the name the aerial maps had been in my mind for a while. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of came back with this idea. I said that right, I'm going to form a purely band where I do my spoken word quote unquote as, yeah. as the vocals and that, that became what became the band we started called the Aerial Maps um, which you know we did a couple of good albums a couple of albums that I thought were good um, <laughs> when quite some people liked them um, and so that's that's where it really started to kind of coalesce into what it is now you know? yeah yeah I mean where did that kind of interest derive from like I guess music and poetry has always kind of had a a mix in the past, you know, like, you know, people like Ellen Ginsberg hanging out with Bob Dylan and stuff like that, yeah. but like, uh, I don't know, was that kind of influential on you, or like, uh, was it kind of just a chance to be doing something different, where, you know, you'd have three bands playing, you know, similar sort of songs, and then your band would be there, and it's like, oh, hang on, he's not actually singing, he's like yeah. telling a story or something, what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, that's know? right, no, well, no, it was in fact actually along the lines of that, because there was a 
There was an album that Jack Kerouac did with Steve Allen, the pianist. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's very much, he's sort of semi-singing. Um, he's also doing spoken word and the piano is playing. So he's not adherent to a melody. And that was an early thing that just gave me an idea. He's talking about the lower Massachusetts and blah, blah, blah. Mm. I thought, well, here we are. Here I am in Bondi, listening to this, loving every moment yeah, yeah, yeah. of his specifics and everything. Then I'm realising... Well, there's value in our experience as well. There's value in in Bondi. There's value in Newtown. There's value in Petersham. You know, mm. and, I, and I sort of gave me an idea to start trying to talk about that. And so that was kind of like my, in a sense, my template. And there's a few, um, it's a few bits and pieces of, of, of things on Midnight Oil albums where they are Garrett is kind of talking. You know, it's a cool yeah, out yeah, of what's yeah. the matter, blah blah. blah. Um, so it's sort of. You know, I was never a singer, and I never wanted to be a singer. And I always hated bands where I didn't hate bands. I didn't, oh, I didn't hate bands that singers who could sing, but I just hated when people oversung. You know, oh, really, they, yeah, well, they were showing off. Yeah, yeah. warbled, and I just you know look at some of my favourite bands were were Celebrate Rifles, where Damien Lovelock is not a great singer, but no. he's got some unreal songs. <laughs> yeah, you know? oh yeah, absolutely. And he delivers it perfect for what he does. You know, even Peter Garrett, mid not all, is not a great singer, but it's sort of some would say, and, but I still think the message comes across. But well, my point is that mm. um, I feel like that there was a moment there. Where I thought, you know what? I'll just do it. No one is forced to like it. No one has to listen to it. Yeah. If they don't like it, go and go and listen to another band that they like. You know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you find. Yeah, I think you, there was a there was a, it's a quote from Kerouac says something you feel will find its own form, and I, you know something you feel will find its own form. I always thought about that. I thought, well. I feel this and I want to try and do it, you know. Mm. So I'll, I'll find a, I'll find a way, and it ended up finding its own form in music, semi-sung, spoken word stuff. Yeah, right. So does the Aerial Maps come first, or does Modern Giant come first? So Modern Giant came first. Right. Yeah. But Modern Giant had this kind of division of we did pop songs and we did the spoken word. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We released uh, one album and a couple of EPs, and we found that. People, some people really love the spoken word. Some really, really, some people really love the, the pop songs, mm. the girl guy harmony. We had kind of stuff going yeah. on, but not everyone. Most people didn't love both. Both, you know? yeah. <laughs> so can't please everyone. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's it. Yeah. My brother moved overseas, and we, he was integral to Modern Giant. So um, came back with sort of almost like a clean slate, and that's when I got um, Simon Holmes from the Hummingbirds. Kind of, he was he was producing the yeah. Modern Giant stuff, and. I just got him in to record the first Aerial Maps album, which we didn't know really what it was. I said, I've got this bunch of lyrics, I want to get some music to it, and we worked together on that, also, alongside my brother as well. And we just It just became an album suddenly, and, and then we suddenly saw that there was possibilities there. Like Simon Holmes didn't want to be a frontman, but he wanted to create this sort of soundscape, so it was yeah. perfect. I'm happy to take that role and wear the, wear the, wear the fucking... You know, slings and arrows of being up there and you know doing spoken words yeah. venues which <laughs> might not necessarily like it. Yeah, you know, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, how has that kind of evolved over the years of performing? Like, I can imagine, you know, when you're starting out doing stuff like that, it can be pretty vulnerable, and you know, you're putting yourself in a in a pretty precarious position. But like, I can imagine over the years you've kind of learned how to to work with crowds that aren't normally inclined to, to watch that sort of stuff you know? yeah yeah well that's right I mean the fundamental thing of it is personally 
I'm, I'm, I don't care, you know. I don't care if I'm. Embar- I mean, I mean, I care, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, but I'm not. I'm not easily. I don't get embarrassed or I don't get sort of shy in that situation. I mean, I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I just mean that in a in a way that like, like I, I, I genuinely understand that it's not the easiest pill to swallow sometimes. You know yeah. what we do. But I think that if people give it, a ch- if they're if they're resistant to it at first, if they actually give it a chance, they might find it sounds a bit. Sounds a bit uh, awkward, but they might, yeah. find they might like it, you know. Yeah, sure. But as I often say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll play shows and people aren't expecting what they get, you mm. know, and they realise about three songs in that I, I don't sing, you know, and, I, and I'll say, you know, I'll say, you know, thanks for coming, you know, that's all right, that's all right. There, there's, there's enough people there usually who will get it, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think people have, have come to understand what we've now generated a kind of sense of, people understand what it is you know mm. but as I often say it shows you know we've cleared better rooms than this you know so <laughs> it's like uh, you know but you know fundamentally the whole live experience for me is is influenced by I remember seeing shows by Mick Thomas and weddings parties anything yeah sure sure very much like um it was very much wasn't just like a linear show where the, the band got on and played 10 songs and got off and didn't and came back on for an encore it was a trajectory it was entertainment it was like a variety show so I mean we like we I want to want to make it entertaining for people you know I want people to enjoy it so it's not just it's, it's something different but generally speaking it's a fairly entertaining experience yeah yeah I hope yeah yeah so have you um, uh, when those bands were going um, so do you have a chance to tour much with either of those bands or was it like primarily playing in and around Sydney? Oh yeah, no, we, we toured with both Modern Giant and the Aerial Maps, yeah, we yeah. did the, the usual run, you know, Melbourne, Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney and yeah, yeah, all yeah. places in between, you know. Mm. Always found strangely that, I, I don't know why I'm from Sydney, I'm born and bred in Sydney, I, yeah. I write a lot about Sydney and, I, you know, I like it, but we always get a better response outside of Sydney, you know. Yeah, right. It's, it's funny, I don't know why, but we've, 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 we've played big shows at Melbourne, you know, and come out on the same tour, come, and come to Sydney and got half the crowd. I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a, a smaller version of a cultural fringe, you know, like something's better if it's from outside of town, you know. So we play really great shows in, in Brisbane. I don't, I don't criticise anything. It's, it's no, whatever. Sure. I understand the way things work. You know, play great shows in Brisbane, get great big stories in the Courier Mail. Come back in Sydney and can't, can't get a mention on a, you know, on a, <laughs> on a in the street press. You yeah, know? yeah, sure. So, it, but as I say, fundamentally, I, I don't care. You know, I, I care. I care about the music and want to do it well and want to make it people enjoy it. But mm. I've, I've long passed, you know, the sense of being aspirant and you know dying for people to approve it you know it's good if, if people like it that's awesome and I know that there's you know, there's enough people to, to make it worthwhile you know and, yeah. and touch kind of affect people and make it make a nice little space for us you know yeah sure and the music itself has kind of changed a, a lot like you know we, we talked about Modern Giant which you know had kind of very poppy but also kind of you know very rock driven sort of songs whereas you know stuff off you know the the more recent uh, solo material is, I, I guess, a bit more atmospheric and, and plays in more to what's uh, what the story is that you're telling. You know, like you said, when you know the the stuff was starting out with the spoken word stuff, you just tell the guys to like improvise and kind of build something up or like play something on a loop. Whereas 
you know, I think the stories that you're telling on, on the more recent material are kind of reflected more in, in the tone of the, the music itself. That's true, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think we've all come to a, 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 kind of a, a position where we understand that it's not, it doesn't just need to be a soundscape, you know, we, mm. can, we can be adherent to a song structure and kind of do it more almost more song-like and yeah um, sure and you know this on the new record you know really really was keen to um get choruses and lots of singing and kind of thing make it make it up make it uh, you know not more accessible but you know maybe maybe yeah maybe more accessible you know because i love pop music i love i love songs i love that sort of stuff so um, rather than sort of, you know, meandering stories about you know, me meeting a girl in a Surrey Hills night or yeah. some North Coast um, uh, episode, yeah. they're more song-like in their in their approach, and I think that's just come because we've all all kind of almost grown as a as a little group. I have a core mm. core group, which is Tim, you know, Tim Byron, my brother, my mate, uh, my mate Stewie, and um, Simon Holmes. Kind of a little core group who understand that. That we can, we kind of shape something a bit more coherent, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, at what point does the the Arcock Birds Collective kind of pick up after uh, Aerial Maps ends? Uh, with, with yeah, with yeah, it's a good point. Um, in a sense, we with the Arcarks now, we still play all the Aerial Maps stuff. Yeah. But there was um, just with the Aerial Maps, we kind of we did a second album, which. Um, was called the Sunset Park, which was yep. a concept album. Mm-hmm. Almost, you know, mm-hmm. it was a start-to-finish narrative of a story about three people. It was very intense experience in the recording of it. It actually took us pretty much two years of working on it. You know, and we kind of went a little bit crazy with it. You know, in, in our in, in our psychology, in a way, we just went down a rabbit hole with it. And I think at the end of that, the, the three main guys who were in it at that point was myself. Simon Holmes and a guy named Sean Kennedy. Yep. We all, um, I think we, we just wore ourselves out a little bit, and um, so there was a real sense of like, Holmesy, Simon Holmes. Um, so there's two Simons in the band. My brother Simon right. and Simon Holmes, the, the yeah. hummingbird Simon. He sort of moved out to the, the mountains. Uh, Sean Kennedy was one of the producers of the uh, Costa Home uh, Gardening Show. The, you know. Costa Georgiata, so yeah, yeah, Australia. Yeah. So he was involved with that. So he got really busy with that, and it sort of didn't break up or anything. But it was mm. like there was a natural transition that's kind of wanted to be made. So I started using kind of different, different people and a different approach, and wrote much more with my brother. So it was a distinction between the two bands. So I just sort of drew a line under the aerial maps, and and then moved on with the archives. You know, so it's yeah. essentially it's the same band, but it's just a different name. Yeah, you know? sure. So, um, yeah, talk us through, I guess, where the songwriting has kind of changed. Like, uh, with this with this core group of people, do you kind of have more of a confidence to say, all right, well, here's the story, I want it to sound like this, here's what we should do. Yeah. Show me what you, yeah. Do you yeah. kind of have more of an idea of, of what you want out of these songs? I, I think I definitely, I definitely do, yeah. Like, I, I, used, to let, I used to be much more, let, let sort of, you know, quote unquote the musicians take that kind of charge you know I've always been big on you know creating a space where where these guys can create something that's their own thing you know but I'll give them I'll give them clues or cues you know saying where we want to go with it you know mm. I'll just I even while they're setting up I'll play Born Sandy Devotional by the Triffids or, oh, or sure. I'll put on a 
a midnight all song I want this guitar sound you know, yeah, yeah, well. yeah. I want to place them in a psychological space that they can create, you know kind of reflect that but this one was much more a similar thing but I had more the music kind of myself this time and gave that to the guys and stuff so I was you know in a bit more of a way I, I was more confident more, more sort of directed and driven on this one to say no this is actually how I want it to be yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. but still allowing you know, guys like Tim and Simon Holmes and my brother to, to you know to say instead of going to the D let's go to the A minor you know kind yeah, of thing yeah. so that, that kind of thing you know using the skills that everyone had around me you know well, I've always had the theory you know like I'm not I'm not a virtuoso musician. Sure. I can play adequately bass in, in whatever, in any band, whatever, not mm. play saxophone, whatever, but I, 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 there's better people who can do it. I'll get them to do it. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, that's the way, you know, you've got to play your strengths, you know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> can someone else do it? That's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, I can't play lead guitar for shit, but yeah. all the other guys can. Yeah, that's so. what I can, exactly, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, now that the, the record is uh, out, in the, out in the open, what are your plans moving forward? Have you got more kind of shows booked at the moment, or are you just kind of taking it bit by bit? Yeah, I, will, um, I think that, as I sort of said before, you know, we, we used to rehearse at the old Troy Horse um, studios. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to I always see, you know, rehearse there for many years in different bands, different incarnations, and I'd see every few weeks or every month or whatever see a new crop of aspirant kind of people come in and they were and I really had to look down and they were you know, talking about shows and labels and stuff and all this stuff in the common area kind of thing and that's great you know everyone's great I mean I'm not criticising any of that but sure. at some point along the line I just went I lost any sense of kind of pure you know striving for approval or, or, or success so the beauty of that is it just allows you to sort of say we're going to just do, do this album, we're going to do shows, we're going to make the best of it, and we know we know that what we like, we know it's kind of enjoyable to do. Yep. To, to answer your question, but that, that, so that underlines my psychology in terms yeah. of putting this new record out. Like, yeah, we're going to do as many shows as we can if people offer us shows. And, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking to sort of really kind of, you know, talk about this sense of Australia and mm. talk about our stuff, and I think that slowly I've realised that, that Australia and Australians are coming around to the idea of like we do and we should value our own stories so mm. you know it's almost like it's the world's coming around to kind of to, to what, what we've you know what I've been told what we've been talking about and other bands like I talk about we're playing a show in May with Jamie Hutchins and Peter Fenton they're being oh, right, the, yeah. the tall grass and a lot of that stuff they do is that Australian sort of noir kind of Australian mm. stuff and I think it's, I think things are coming around. So we're looking to maybe do, maybe do a few more shows along those lines and try and, you know, do, do a concept show. You know, we're looking, sure. at the, we're looking for the opera house. That's our goal. <laughs> I often feel that, you know, you know, we, we do give, you know, I myself too. We we give a lot of credit to bands from overseas, which simply because they have the weight of numbers behind them from their whatever their country is. Yeah, sure. So we automatically think they're great and big and good, whatever, and they come over here and they do play the Opera House and stuff like that. And I, I feel like it's sort of a sense of, like, if you're from Sydney, you've got no hope of playing the Opera House. But if, you, <laughs> if you're from, you know, Chicago, well, you're straight in there, you yeah. know. So, I'm, I'm not being negative, but I just feel like, you know, we've got to give due credit to our stuff and hopefully, you know... Um, 
hopefully that, that will start to happen. I think it is yeah. happening more and more. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so we'll wrap it up here, but before we do, I ask this of all of my guests, and now it's your turn. I want to know about the best and worst shows that you have ever played. Oh, Christ. Um, really the best show, anything. Best show, well, the best show in terms of the way we felt as a band yeah. was... Um, we played it. We played it in Melbourne a couple of months ago. Yep. Early, late, late last year, we played at the Cherry Bar, oh, sort yeah. of, you know, in ACDC Lane yeah, and you know, yeah, all yeah. that sort of stuff. And people have this impression of me or my band as you know, sort of, sort of, some sort of a spoken word poetry, you know, or yeah. lovey dovey, romantic, sort of, you know, whatever. But it was sort of ACDC Lane, and it was a rock and roll, you know, big PA. And we said, oh fuck it, you know, we're just going to play all the all the kind of more. You know, rock and roll kind of songs. Yeah, you know? sure, sure, sure. So we really we did this psychological shift, and we just I just rewrote the set that we'd normally play, and we just played this all out, flat out show, and yeah, it was it was it was like finally I felt like the band was behind me, like the band that I always wanted, had always wanted behind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like I got a, a big like a you know. 747 roaring behind me. You know? yeah, nice. It's really, really great. Um, so that was, that was probably the best show. I'm just trying to think of the worst show. We've played, we've played shows where, you know, there's been there's been more bar staff than there has been, you know, punters, you know. Mm, mm. And and then, you know, two or three songs in, the, the two or three punters that are there, they've left, you know. Yeah. So, look, we, it's, it's a... I've had, you know, I've had people yell out, heckle me and stuff like that, you know, say, um, say, you know, give us a palm, you know, give us another palm, you know, and I'm like, yeah, good on you, mate, on your champ. <laughs> when, you know, I, so look, no, in, in essence, we haven't, I, I've been, I played shock, shocking shows in earlier bands, you know, yeah, yeah. We, we used to play, when we, when we played in Half Mile before Modern Giant, we played yeah. a, a venue called the Varna Room over in okay. Rupert Junction, yeah, which right. was, um, which, you know, it's not really known for its rock and roll. Uh, no. <laughs> rock and roll. Uh, not at all. Not sensibilities. At all. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, that was interesting. Yeah, we, we got a mixed reception there. <laughs> but <laughs> we did have indie, indie rock from, from Newtown. Yeah. Bondi come Newtown. Didn't really go down that well. But I think, you know, after many years of doing the spoken word stuff, which is a very vulnerable thing when I'm up there by myself, you know, it's like I've been, you know, eviscerated by by, by audiences at different times. But I, don't, I have a pretty thick skin, you know. So mm. I just I just move on and move on. go home and cry. Just internalise it. Yeah, just bury it deep down. That's it. That's it. <laughs> the album is Cities of Spin Effects. It is out now. You can pick it up through the Adam Gibson Bandcamp page. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to, to plug or to, to share before we move on out here? Oh yeah, well no, it's just um yeah, just the album is really very happy to get it get it get it as you as you said finally yep. finally out, out there and done and um also um yeah we get a look to play more shows. I think we want to get want to get this idea of um trying to do a new album every couple of years you know yeah 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 it's it's two it's essentially two years since the last one you know start working on a new one so yeah just just whatever whatever that brings up see see what comes of that perfect get out there to the opera house at the end of the year to the opera house exactly right perfect Adam thank you so much for your time man thanks mate thanks Dave I'm David James Young and all my friends and barbers